millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. prepared to get rid of the filibuster to pass a Green New Deal. It was a debate. <laughs> you know, I just think uh, COVID is God's gift to the left. I am completely butt-ass naked. I'm naked. Not good naked, mind you, <laughs> as we used to say in the 90s, uh, copyright Jerry Seinfeld, bad naked. So... Before any of you feel like it's um, time to break open the Jack Daniels and start chugging away, in case you're worried about a sequel of last night, well, I've got some news for you. It is not the end of the world. It is not the end of the Trump campaign. As is the way in the uh, typhoon that can be the normal presidential uh, politics and the election campaign, Donald Trump last night began uh, walking back and uh, etch-a-sketching and rejiggering his feeling on the stimulus. So yesterday, as we reported, he um, he said that he was going to shut off the stimulus negotiations until after the election, of course, which of course was a horrific thing to say because that comes off to people as in he doesn't care. He wants to win the election, get his judge through, and just screw you. Now, I know that on the merits, that's not it. I have been following, just like you, Nancy Pelosi, and her just purely cynical, shallow, and ugly uh, willingness to let the American people suffer and and suffer and sink into um, you know financial and uh, really emotional uh, disrepair with no regard whatsoever, and. So I know. I understand that and that, that she's been – and she, that's who she is. She's, she's purely a political creature. There is nothing more to it, nothing at all. Now, the, the main problem was, of course, is that she was about to be stuck with this exploding piece of dynamite because she was so incalcitrant in doing anything. 
to give people relief for COVID relief in this new stimulus package. And the problem is that then Trump came blazing through the room and grabbed the stick of dynamite from her, which was not the thing to do. It was just about to explode. But now he has subsequent, subsequently, Donald Trump has put the onus in a um, kind of um, in kind of a um, a la carte way back on Nancy Pelosi to reject aid for the American people, including the twelve hundred dollar checks and bailing out the airlines and about six other you know pieces of relief. And so now he's used the same social media that blew up the room yesterday to now put the onus back on her. And we've got. Looking at the big picture, the onus is on her to do something. Now, politically, she doesn't care if if we think it's on her, but she's also a political survivor. By the way, we're getting this awesome storm coming through right now, and I see the leaves blowing crazy, and I love this chaos. She's a political survivor, but she's had some insurrections in the, er, the ranks of her newest members of Congress. These are the people who were, uh, who won in, a lot of them won Trump seats, these were they won Trump voters swing states, swing districts in 2018, and they've been demanding because they have nothing to show their their voters what the, that they've done anything. They've been demanding that she give give their constituents some relief because their constituents want relief, and all they've had to show for their constituents so far is that they impeached Trump, and the deal was trust us. Trump wasn't ready for prime time, um, and the, the or, or you may have voted for Trump, but your congressman didn't get it done for you. And we'll do it. And so they're increasingly putting pressure on Pelosi. And so now Pelosi has the stick of dynamite again. And we'll see if something can be done or the hay can be made of this. Um, but she it's a rough spot because it's not a matter in it's not a matter of McConnell. It's not a matter matter of McConnell negotiating so much with her. Because his caucus has made it clear they're only willing to go so far. And they don't care. So that's why she's been negotiating with the White House. Um, but now she's going to have to ratchet something in. I think she'll probably take some of this piece, piecemeal measures, these piecemeal measures, unless she feels like this is such a wave election that she doesn't have to do anything. But I don't know. I don't think she likes getting the pressure here. And the, these freshman congressmen start talking to you know, other congressmen who have had just about enough of this, speaking of authority, authoritarian rule, then we'll see. We'll see. But that stuff is that is not over for President Trump. Yesterday was a mistake. And the biggest problem with, with that is that it wasted another day. But um, but I think they can get back on track with that. I think the onus is on Pelosi. Uh, Trump wants to start cutting checks. And, you know, he's got no fiscal responsibility gene in him. He, he'll be willing to do anything. But really, McConnell will be the will be the deciding factor of how big these provisions are. And um, and so we'll see if Pelosi does something and gives relief to the American people. Now, you, we've had, you know, I just watched my congressman, Seth Moulton, say, hey, we passed a bill back in May and Republicans refused to move on that. That is elementary horse bleep. So, you know, that was a pork packed, union friendly, buy off, wacko, huge trillion dollar giveaway of your money with some relief in it as well. 
That was a farce. It was her using the situation. And so the, the Republicans said, no, it really, among other things, it was a bailout for Democratic states that's decided to run up the bill because they knew that, 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 that Trump would be afraid and Republicans would be afraid to, to bail them out. Um, so um, the, 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 it is yet to be determined if there is success in that front, but I am optimistic. Alice K. Shattuck, you may uh, weigh in if you'd like. Um, well, okay. So I'm less negative than yesterday anyway. Put it that way. I don't think these piecemeal things are going to get passed. I don't think Nancy's going to budge. She has no uh, electoral pressure herself personally. And um, I don't think she cares about anything except, I mean, I think she said it on The View this morning that all Trump wants is to send Americans checks with his name on them, you know, which... I don't think is she's... that a winning message by her? Well, do we no. Care I mean, I think it's true. Check? Well, yeah, exactly. I don't think people when they're cashing the twelve hundred dollar check care if Trump's name is on it or not, particularly. So, um, you know, and that gives she could take credit for that too. But I, I think she's going to dig in her heels. I think she got too close with her multi trillion dollar packages, and I don't think she's going to give them anything. For what it's worth, I think the whole federal government should be run that way piecemeal. I want, right, that's a different I want, world conversation. Okay, though. Well, I understand. I want the I want the federal bureaucrats to have to come to Congress every time they want to buy a stapler for the office mm-hmm. and ask permission and get it passed. Oh, you're, you're right. So, These comprehensive but, bills, yeah, are just slush. I them. think I think everything more piecemeal the better, and the, make everybody vote on each individual thing because it gives people in Congress and out when they vote this way on these big packages. Well, I had to vote for the huge spending package because it had this one thing in it that was really important to my district. Like, okay. But it's not an efficient way to run your government. It does lead to more compromise and more passing things, but it leads to more spending more money and doing things in in a sloppy way that I don't like. So I'm all for the piecemeal approach. If Trump is able to put the pressure back on, but um, I didn't like how he handled that yesterday. We made that clear. <laughs> we did make that clear. <clears throat> He's managed to stay less insane today. He has not uh, tanked the stock market so far today, to my knowledge, unless he could be tweeting right now. I don't want to check. But, yeah, if he can get out of his own way... He's got a shot at this. And his his polls were more mixed today. There was some state polling out there for him today that it was, like, more kind of average Trump down a few points in the Rust Belt kind of polling, which, like, I can, I can deal with that. I, that's more kind of within reach. You know, I, I don't know what his chances are. I don't know, and I'll want to see more polling uh, the problem is, this polling is so delayed with the speed that Trump does things. Yes. And the speed at which this news cycle moves. Like, we're just now seeing polling numbers, you know, from after he got COVID. So now we don't have anything from after he recovered from COVID. Yes. And then we won't have anything from after he tanked the stock market. And then we won't have anything from after he made the deal with Nancy Pelosi. It's impossible to know how this stuff plays in real time. Right. In the, in the, in the, the, the way the media covers it as well. If you're there when near the impact of a media hit on Trump, then you're concussed for a little while. Oh my God! He paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in taxes in the last three years and was drowning puppies to put in the, his homemade Texas chili. Oh my God! And then it takes a couple of days, and then it usually breaks apart into nothing, or you can, you know, get past the headlines and read the details and say, "Oh, I see. He paid the amount of taxes he was supposed to pay, and there were no puppies, and that kind of thing." So I think it matters when you when you hit people with a poll, and, and as proof, we talked about the Herald poll mm-hmm. that. Um, 
They did it on night on the night before he had COVID. He was down five points, and then the day afterwards, he was down twelve points. So the initial impact hits people like, "Oh my God, what am I supposed to think about this? Is this ter- wait? Does that mean he's bad? If that's not a good thing, I should. This is bad, bad. No, Trump." And those people, uh, it's fortuitous and unfortunate at the same time, but they're swing voters, and they will swing, and you never know. There's there's still a lot of football left from now until Election Day, but there aren't that many news days left. So uh, you can't keep burning news days. And if, if uh, Mike Pence, this is a pre-debate special, I guess, as well. So if Mike Pence tonight... And you already know if you're listening Thursday, but we don't know yet. If Mike Pence, but we'll do a special tomorrow if it's worth it, um, an <laughs> early one. If Mike Pence has won the debate and wiped the floor with Kamala Harris tonight, there's there are ways in which he will have done it, if he does it, that the media couldn't overlook. There are ways. Mm-hmm. And also people will have watched it. But if it's 12.30... Some Mr. Kovev comes out and... I think the generally accepted pronunciation is Kofefe. Yes, if Kofefe comes out <laughs> and somebody gets called horseface, then <laughs> the media will immediately redirect and say, good, let's get off of this. Let's go over to this guy, you know, of course. tweeting. And it's possible. Uh, and- or if Trump's COVID condition takes a turn for mm-hmm. the worse or something else. I mean, who knows? Right, and we'll see actually if any, it would be interesting to see if they implant any theatrics into Pence's um, performance tonight. You know, during the the RNC, they were naturalizing citizens, and during the the State of the Union, they were throwing around uh, medals of freedom and this and that and this and that. We'll see if they'll give Trump uh, Pence a little bit of that, just as a news Hook. Of course, it would be mm-hmm. considered just tawdry, no matter what he does. You know, he could give a, a child the Heimlich maneuver in the first row, and they begin. I feel that my gut, based on how Team Trump has been treating the Kamala Harris debate so far, is that they are treating it a little less seriously and going for more, making her into a ridiculous person than uh, building up Pence per se. Well, that might be smart because that might make the media pay more attention to it. And right. Put more import into it. If she's an embarrassment, that's bad for them, especially because you know she's going to be president if Biden's elected. So, um, yeah, I don't think anybody, and that's why there's going to be a, a huge turnout to watch this. I don't think anybody thinks that she's not going to be uh, a president. Um, I do think that she's got challenges. I mean, it it matters. It's all about winning a room with her, and winning a room with her is something that she'll be doing on a huge national stage tonight. Sometimes she can get away with it, and sometimes it's not horrific. But there are going to be other times when she's going to put herself in a position where she's forced to escape the situation, escape the interrogation, by throwing chum out there. And that chum could contradict what the Biden platform is. President Trump, Vice President Pence. They've been campaigning more and more on the issue of fracking, uh, which is a process of of oil and gas drilling. Uh, They think that this is going to help them win votes in key states like Pennsylvania. Joe Biden has said, quote, I am not banning fracking. During your primary campaign, you said that you supported a ban. Are you comfortable with Joe Biden's position? Yes, because Joe is saying, listen, one, those are good paying jobs in places like Pennsylvania. 
and two, that we need to also invest and put a significant investment in the good paying union jobs that we can create around clean energy, around renewable energy. And, and that is the kind of approach we need to have. But, but always understanding that it's a false choice to suggest that we either take care of um, jobs or we take care of our environment. We can do both and we should do both. So that's from having said that she'd ban fracking to then saying, well, no, 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 it's about jobs. No, 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 no. So you have those two answers. If Pence is equipped with the recollection of the Colbert interview, then he should bring this up every time she speaks. It was a debate. <laughs> Not everybody landed punches like you did, though. It I mean, was a debate. <laughs> so you don't mean it. It was a debate that the whole reason, literally, it was a debate. It was called a debate. Everyone I understand. Travel to the debate. There were journalists there covering the debate where there would be a debate. Jesus Christ. That is astounding. Oh, man, I don't know. I have so many problems with this. I just, first of all, Joe Biden has said he won't ban fracking. That's one of the things that he's said about fracking, but it, it, it's not all of the things that he said about fracking. He's also said he's going to be on fossil fuels. Um, he's also said that the Green New Deal needs to be the framework for our energy policy. And then you have Kamala here saying that we need to make a significant investment. Do you know what I hear when she says the word significant investment? I hear uh, my taxes are going up. Yes. That's what I hear. So um, that scares me. And I think Pence should press her on that absolutely and i think that um that pence should absolutely press her on the the inconsistency both from kamala and from biden but i think uh joe is a little more of an experienced uh, slippery politician who is able to kind of thread the needle with his answers on some of these or at things. least was yes yeah i mean but even even at his most senile he's a little more adept at this than kamala is i think she you know, that's why she gets nailed on these things. That's why she got nailed on the healthcare thing, because she commits herself to one answer without thinking about the fact that somebody else is going to have a problem with that answer and she's going to want to tell them the opposite. So that's why she goes back and forth like that. And now both Biden and Kamala have waffled on this Green New Deal and fossil fuel and fracking stuff. But um I think you're more likely to be able to pin her on it than you are with Biden. We've all expressed an interest in talking about health care. So let's 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 talk about health care. And this is going to be a show of hands question. We asked a question about health care last night that spurred a lot of discussion, as you know. We're going to do it again now. Many people watching at home have health insurance of their employer. Who here would abolish their private health insurance in favor of a government run plan? All the hands. All right. Senator, on, on health care last night, you were asked to raise your hands, the entire panel, 10 of you, if you believe eliminating private insurance should be part of the Medicare for All proposal. You and Bernie Sanders both raised your hands. You've been asked and sort of clarified this question a couple of times over the course of the campaign. So once and for all, do you believe that private insurance should be eliminated in this country? No. You don't? <laughs> no, I but do not. But you raised your hand last night. But the night. question was, would you give up your private insurance? For that option, and I said yes. Oh, I think I you heard it differently than others then. <laughs> Probably, because that's what I heard. This is extremely important, so let's slow everything down for a second, because Donald that. Trump has been tweeting, will be tweeting, about Democrats who want to take away people's, 180 million people's 
health insurance. Yeah. You're saying that actually you did not mean that last night. So let's no, no. explain I, to us. I, I am a proponent of Medicare for all. Private insurance will exist for supplemental coverage. All just, right. So just to follow up. Just to follow up on that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, to reiterate, you support uh, the Medicare for All bill, I think initially co-sponsored by Senator Bernie Sanders. You're also a co-sponsor on on it. I believe it will totally eliminate private insurance. Um, So for people out there who like their insurance, they don't get to keep it? Well, listen, the idea is that everyone gets access to medical care. And you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company, having them give you approval, going through the paperwork, all of the delay that may require. Who of us has... She's saving us paperwork. Yeah. My goodness, how nice of her. Has not had that situation where you got to wait for approval and the doctor says, well, I don't know if you're, you're... Once the government's in charge, the bureaucracy will go away. Insurance company is going to cover this? Let's eliminate all of that. Let's move on. I think the last time I saw you was the town hall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you about something you said that night. You said on stage with me in January that when it comes to private insurance, quote, let's eliminate all of that, let's move on. Yes. Now you later said we don't need to get rid of all private insurance. So... But let's clear that. Which is is it exactly? Well, we were together. Yes. And you'll remember and roll the tape, please. Yeah, we can roll the tape. (laughs) Well, you support uh, the Bernie Sanders bill, which essentially gets rid of insurance. I support Medicare for all, but I really do need to clear up what happened on that stage. It was in the context of saying, let's get rid of all the bureaucracy. Let's get all of the waste. Oh, not the insurance companies. No, that's not what I meant. I know it was interpreted that way. If you watch the tape, I think you'll see that there are obviously many interpretations of what I said. What I meant is let's get rid of the bureaucracy as it relates but the bill to Medicare, gets rid of insurance. But, but no 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 it does not get rid of insurance it does not get rid of insurance and 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 listen and let me just tell you where i am let's okay. tell you where i am all right i support medicare for all it is my preferred um as a policy. principle you mean not bernie sanders bill i support the bill okay i support the bill because well, the su- bill gets rid of private insurance for everything <laughs> It doesn't is, get rid for, of supplemental for, insurance. Right, for, for cosmetic surgery, but for all... So it doesn't get rid of all insurance. Okay, no. it doesn't get rid okay. of all insurance, right. but for all essential health care benefits. But, you, but why? Ask the question why. The question, if, the answer to that question, is because Medicare for all and the vision of what it will be includes an expansion of coverage. So Medicare for all will include vision, it'll include dental, it'll include hearing aids. We get rid of your insurance, but you'll get more of your insurance that we won't get rid of because you'll still have it, even though we absolutely will get rid of it. And it's about paperwork. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all of that happened within months? It was a debate. <laughs> okay. It was a debate. <laughs> it was a debate. I, I don't know why it's all that funny. I mean... We were told that health insurance has been a big issue to people, and um, this is a big year, I believe, for uh, health issues. But Well, I can tell you that Team Trump-Pence has been uh, paying attention to what Kamala Harris has been saying in interviews, because um, they are keeping a seat open at the debate for, guess who, in case he decides to show up and watch. Cy uh, Sperling? No, Tupac. How good? Man, uh, best rapper alive. Tupac. <laughs> He's not a, You say he lives on. Not a lot. I know. I keep doing that. 
Listen, West Coast girls think Tupac lives on. I'm with you. I'm with you. So Tupac, uh, yeah. keep going. That's what's happening there. Yeah, mostly that. she thinks Tupac's alive, and probably she doesn't know who he is. Oh, my God. But you know what? It was a talk show question. It was a debate. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens tonight. I don't know. I mean, she's a little bit here and there. So again, back to the United States Congress. Here's my point. If they fail to act as president of the United States, I am prepared to get rid of the filibuster to pass a Green New Deal. Well, Jesus. That sounds like that she's prepared to get rid of the filibuster to pass a Green New Deal. Oh, I thought Biden wasn't for the Green New Deal. I don't. I, I. I don't know. I don't know where he is on things. At the top, my prayers continue to be with the president, and the first lady, for their health and safety, as they, like so many American families, are dealing with COVID-19. I was glad to see the president speaking and recording videos over the weekend. Now that he's busy tweeting campaign messages, I would ask him to do this: listen to the scientists, support masks. Support a mask mandate nationwide. Require. There we go. Nationwide mask mandate. So it, Matt. I mean, they're they are going to they, Kamala will be doing Kamala tonight. Will be doing. And really, I shouldn't put myself out there because people will listen tomorrow. And if I play this safe, then I will willing to have looked like a jerk. I will say this: Kamala tonight or Kamala last night will have gone with her blue steel looks. And one-line attacks. I was that little girl. Or that might be fine for you to say, Mr. Pence, but there are people who love each other in this country, and your harsh ideological ideological beliefs shouldn't come in between love, because this is a year where we need love more than ever, and you work with a company of hate, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Just all of the one-liners. I expect that to happen. But just like last time, I don't expect her to have any defense against incoming fire. I want to bring in Congresswoman Gabbard. Congresswoman Gabbard, you took issue with Senator Harris confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a, quote, false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. There was nothing to the response. Michael, Michael J. Pence, do this for me, please. Use that attack word for word against her because she doesn't have any defense against that. She can't have a defense against that. Was she a law and order person in AG like she says she was, or was she not? And there's plenty of room between where she is sometimes now and where she was then. And back her into a corner, it should not be hard to do. I would be very surprised if she does if she does uh, well at all. At all. If you win, 
your administration is going to inherit a really dire situation. Yeah. A key model is projecting deaths could reach 3,000 a day by December, in part because of declining vigilance of the public. So, as you know, President Trump has promised a coronavirus vaccine by the end of the year or maybe declining vigilance of the public, by the way. What a jerk question. Yeah, that's the problem. We're not making enough sacrifices as the public. Sorry. If the public would just kill themselves en masse, then we would, the, the disease would stop spreading. Maybe sooner. Would you trust that vaccine? I think that we have learned since this pandemic started, but really before that, that there's very little that we can trust that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. Um, from the beginning of this pandemic, he has called it a hoax. He has muzzled the public health experts. He has minimized... He didn't call it a hoax. Uh, he said that it was a Democratic hoax. Uh, the muzzling the public health experts, I don't know. Dr. Fauci could go on a world tour right now and draw more people than you two on a nightly basis. <laughs> True. ...the seriousness of it. He has created false expectations for the American people and American families, even though if he had listened to the scientists and the experts, he would have understood the gravity of it and the power that he as president of the United States has to actually save lives. And none of those were his priorities. His right, okay, so you wouldn't take it, you'd tell people not to take it, we get it. All right, should we move off of Kamala and do some other stuff to the laundry list or do you have something more to uh, add? Um, sure, we can move on from Kamala. I think, you know, we'll see what happens tonight and maybe we'll do a special tomorrow depending right. on how it goes. But um, yeah, I think without knowing how things go tonight, there's not a lot more to be said. We'll see who shows up. Okay. Now, the other day, Alice, I called you um, Catherine Hepburn mm -hmm. because of your voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we both of you and I have mostly been healed. I still have this underlying um, <clears throat> condition here, which is probably <laughs> worrisome and troublesome. It will be the end, but that's fine. Um, oh, yeah. I wanted to talk about polls, too. Um, but Catherine Hepburn... Um, was in a great movie called Old Gun on Golden Pond, and I was playing the part of Henry Fonda um, the other night when I was uh, when I was talking like somebody who was eighty six years old as well. <laughs> when I was overcome by this thing, now Henry Fonda had a daughter named Jane Fonda. Good name, Jane. Yes, it is a good name, and it, she's Jane Fonda's a, kind of a lovely woman, and uh, she's a good actress or was a good actress and. Whatever she's good at aerobics. I don't know, but okay, mm -hmm. Tom. Okay, okay. Walk myself to the end of a pier again, <laughs> needlessly for Jane Fonda. So, but Jane Fonda now is a surrogate for Joe Biden, and when you get up there, or if sometimes you're just stupid like I am, sometimes you say the blatant truth, and and uh, Jane Fonda, you know, said what was on her mind. She was honest. They asked her, you know, how are things going and uh, what are your thoughts on the campaign, the things looking up, and this is what she said. You know, I just think um, COVID is God's gift to the left. There you go. You know, it's huh. God's gift to the left. At least she oh, was God. honest. You know, 200,000 people dead. Perfect. What a gift. But, you know? If it gets rid of Trump, though, worth it, right? Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. I mean... But he killed millions with net neutrality and millions by repealing the individual mandate. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, well, I plus assume... we had nuclear war with the Russians over Syria. We had nuclear war with the North Koreans as well. Uh, the Middle East was going to erupt after into Soleimani. violence. Um, right. After he assassinated an astore ISIS, an austere ISIS doctor, too, of course, I think. Even before that, I mean, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem. That was going to essentially cause genocide, I think. So, 
really the lives saved by the coronavirus pandemic if it's able to remove Trump from office, I think. By the way, isn't it it odd to know, Allison, I'm sorry for stepping on you and mansplaining. Isn't it odd to think that right now it's, you know, what, five or six o'clock, whatever, before the debates, Mm -hmm. and the authorities in New York City are corralling Jewish people? Isn't Isn't that a troublesome sign and troublesome indicator no it's a little concerning i would say that um that you know the party that is obsessed with uh holocaust and world war ii and hitler comparisons uh is absent when it comes to actual jewish people living their faith in new york being stomped out by the police black lives matter okay go for it protest all day long all week long right you know, paint the streets with your message. But, you know, if you want to uh, celebrate a Jewish holy day, then uh, absolutely not. You are arrested. You are shut down. Your schools are shut down. Your daycares are shut down. And if you venture out of doors, we are going to come for you with um, the police. I have to say to the Orthodox community tomorrow, uh, if you're not willing to live with these uh, rules, then I'm going to close the synagogues. You know, for some reason... It- Jewish people I know are sensitive to that kind of talk. I'm not sure what it is, you know, but that's happening as we speak. And there's also been an incredible surge in hate crimes in New York over the last five years, um, with Jewish people being the victims. So, um, but Rick Moranis too, right? Is he Jewish? He is. Is He he? is. I looked it up after you challenged me on it, and he is. Um, and yeah, and that's why you're not hearing anything about it because there there's a problem with this in New York City with hate attacks on Jewish people that do not make the news, and uh, often uh, the perpetrators are part of the African American community, which for a variety of historical reasons in the New York area um, feel that they're in competition with New York's Jewish community, and um, and a lot of times thanks to figures like Farrakhan and some of these who have really pushed anti-Semitic. Uh, conspiracy theories within the black community which is really unfortunate Uh, but you know because honestly all the intersectionality discourse flies out the window when it comes to jewish americans which is really disappointing because they're like the most trodden upon minority in america but that the gentleman who just warned the jews that their places of religion would be shut down it's coming out with a book next week it drops this is this is uh, cuomo's book on how he beat um uh, COVID, and of course, uh, I believe that there over 30,000 people died in New York, and I believe the crisis is ongoing because Cuomo is closing synagogues and closing businesses as we speak. I don't know speak. what happened. I don't know what happened either. This is the <laughs> New York Daily News website, and it's got to make a whole lot of noise, because why wouldn't it? Freak out of here. Jesus. Cuomo, a new book, accuses Team Trump of extortion amid height of COVID pandemic. In a new book set to be released next week, Cuomo accuses the Trump administration of extortion for a veiled threat made by White, veiled threat. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows during the COVID crisis. Um, Cuomo, Cuomo's 300-page tome, American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic. What a dinica. Can you imagine? <laughs> imagine? Can you imagine? Imagine if Pence came out with a book. On how we handle the coronavirus pandemic, the one who's actually on the coronavirus right. task force came out with one right now. Right, right now while we're still in the pandemic. Okay, okay, okay. Please be quiet. <laughs> Great, that's gonna blow the the uh, 
um, the audio quality. Anyway, Cuomo's new book, American Crisis uh, Leadership Lessons, says that Meadows called the governor demanding a clinical test results on hydrochloroquine, a drug President Trump has been hyping at the time as a potential cure for the thing. Hospitals in New York were testing the drug's effectiveness at the time because of the high rate of infection in the Empire State. Cuomo recounts telling Meadows that when the results were ready, they would be sent to the FDA. Meadows then told... Oh, Jesus. God New York Daily News. Cuomo recounts telling Meadows that when the results were ready, they would be sent to the FDA. Meadows then told him the federal government was set to release hospital funding to states and strongly implied that if the test didn't come soon, New York wouldn't receive funding. So there you go. That'll be next week's nuclear smear with strong implications and... So there you go, Trump demanding and holding up the works. He killed everybody, and it's complete, complete BS. We will never, ever, else mark the day. Mm -hmm. This is the last time we ever go to the New York Daily News website ever again, Uh, so help me God. I'm for that. They're terrible anyway. So, all right. Where were we? We paid. We paid... Um, sorry, we played my friend Jane Fonda. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were asking Kate Bedingfield again. She was another one of the Biden flax who would not answer the question as to whether Biden was using a a teleprompter. Kate Bedingfield um, was on CNN, and they asked her now, is Biden going to pack the court? Will Joe pack the court? This is a question that he hasn't been answering because he's not going to play the games. He's not going to make that a campaign issue. So remember... If you're one of these people watching Kaylee McEnany and um, and um, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and the guy before him, Sean Spicer, and you thought that, my God, they're liars. They should not be allowed in polite company. They shouldn't be allowed to do book signings or go to uh, or go to uh, restaurants. They should be castigated and shouted down and canceled. Well, here is one of Biden's flax, and she's asked a simple question, and you tell me if you get an answer. So why don't they deserve a yes, no answer about whether or not the vice president would support adding to the number of Supreme Court justices? Well, the vice president has addressed this a number of times, John. You know, he has said this is the conversation that uh, the political press wants to have. This is the conversation that, you know, Republicans on Capitol Hill want to have. They want to try to have a divisive conversation that assumes that we're not going to uh, rally people, for example, to prevent uh, the nomination of uh, Amy Coney Barrett from going through. He's not going to make an argument that assumes that the will of the people is not going to be heard. He believes that Americans are going to come out uh, on November 3rd. They're going to make their voices heard. Uh, they're going to they're going to sh- um, uh, demonstrate that, mm-hmm. you know, we can move forward together. This is he's not interested in having a conversation that's about uh, a distraction. He's focused on the goal at hand, which is turning out on November 3rd, uh, you know, winning this election. Well, well, then, okay, that sounds good. It sounds like you answered it. So why don't they deserve a yes, no answer about whether or not the vice president would support adding to the number of Supreme Court justices? Why don't they deserve a yes, no answer? Well, the vice president has addressed this a number of times, John. You know, yeah, he's addressed it by sidestepping <laughs> it and telling us he's not going to play this. So why don't they deserve a yes/no answer? He has said this is the conversation that uh, the political press wants to have. This is the conversation that you know Republicans. Right, it's the political press asking the questions to a politician. You figure that's all appropriate. On Capitol Hill, want to have? They want to try to have a divisive conversation that 
assumes that we're not going to uh, rally people, for example, to prevent uh, the nomination of uh, Amy Coney Barrett from going through. He's what are we doing now? We're not rallying people? Why shouldn't the American people know if he's going to pack the court? Well, we're not going to rally people to prevent... I don't understand why we're at rallying now. Um, I think she what she's saying in a long-winded way is that they want to try and prevent Amy Coney Barrett from getting on the court in the first place. So oh. then, then they won't pack the court if she's not put on the court. Oh, I see. So it's a threat. I see. Yeah. It's not going to make an argument that assumes that... The will of the people is not going to be heard. He believes that Americans are going to come out uh, on November 3rd. They're going to make their voices heard. Uh, they're going to they're going to sh- um, uh, demonstrate. Oh, what all this means is they're going to pack the court. What it means is the translation, I think, of what she's saying is I'm not going to answer if we'll pack the court if Amy Coney Barrett is put on the court. But we won't pack the court if Amy Coney Barrett is not put on the court, which is what we want to happen. Right. So somewhere in there, that is the truth of the thing. So um, a couple of other things, by the way. Uh, somebody asked me about polling today, and, and I, I got a bunch of feedback, both on the Todd Feinberg show at WTIC in Hartford, which you should listen to, and um, just on my own Twitter saying the polls are fake. So Trump is down on the polls. It to, For a pollster to make a poll fake, would be uh, generally a foolish move and an unwise short-term, um, you know, short-term successful move. I mean, pollsters are hired based on their reputations, and they do not only presidential polls and um, and other um, you know political polls, but they do all sorts of consumer market polls and. Uh, they do they do polling on all sorts of things, and if they're considered to be somebody who is not uh, reputable, then they're not going to get hired. And if they're somebody who throws their poll one way or another, now you can certainly they can make their polls cute by, you know, uh, over over polling or over serving over sampling s- over sampling right. Yeah, thank you, else um, uh, one you know party or another, um, or people in one industry or another or age groups etc. And they could certainly try to nip and tuck a poll. There's no doubt about that. Once again, I don't think it's wise, but they could. Um, it, it, a lot of times, some polls will go by likely voters versus registered voters. Mm-hmm. And there's other criteria they can use. So I do not think... I can tell you that when we've made polls, when I've been part of the poll, the process of coming up with polls... As part of media organizations, we have a powwow generally on what questions should be where, and then we'll give those to the pollster who will come back with um, with counsel and advice on it and say, well, here's a better way to ask this, better way to yada, yada. But so is there creativity or editorial in embedded in the polls? Yes, absolutely. And there is thought to making sure that if you're a, if your news outlet – you want to be able to live off your polls for a few days. And that's finding interesting uh, uh, trends in crosstabs and other things. So, like for instance, one of the polls that, that I had been involved in recently, one of the questions I, I had submitted was, what do you, which sort of voter, oh no, which slogan would you best use to describe yourself? A, Black Lives Matter. B, All Lives Matter. So I figured there you can get a pretty good sense of somebody. You know, mm-hmm. if you're an all lives matter person, 
you're probably more pro-law enforcement and probably more conservative or maybe just sick of this. And you can add in to demo and occupation and income to see, drill down on what we're saying. But also it makes for good copy. Like by by 74%, the All Lives Matter people like Donald Trump over Joe Biden, that kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So so not only can, can you glean some insight, but it makes for a good story. It's just interesting, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as much as I believe, and I have seen people with great reputations in every part of the media so far, completely sell out, crack under pressure, reverse themselves uh, due to just an emotional rush of, right now, it's negativity towards Donald Trump. And I've seen it everywhere. I don't believe there's anybody, I'll use CNN because I always use CNN, from the receptionist to Jeff Zucker, I don't believe that there's anybody in that building who is reliable as a nonpartisan. And I think they are all in, and they're all activists. I see. I could say the same almost completely for the New York Times, um, and you know certainly in, in Fox News. Although you won't, you, you can't find enough young New Yorkers who are conservative to make <laughs> Fox News conservative. And same with the media establishment in Boston. But I hear you when you say that you think the polls are are skewed, and but I would say that it's more likely that there are shy Trump voters or that the Trump people just aren't the poll-answering kind of folks if if there is a hidden vote, if, if these polls are inaccurate. It does it, – it, it would be almost certain that Trump is trailing in the national vote by millions of votes at this, at this moment, mm-hmm. almost certainly. That does not necessarily mean that he loses – because all of California can vote for Biden, and that's not enough. But in 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 in, in the when you get into the nitty gritty, in the um, Rust Belt states where Trump got those Obama voters last time, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't live in those circles, so I don't know. But I would think that those are a lot of those people probably don't want to talk to media. They got stuff to do. You don't want to spend time with some jerk pollster. On the phone, and you know, talking about are you a more likely to go to the polls, see less likely, somewhat likely, somewhat less likely, and a not likely. By the third multiple choice question, I am fashioning a news for myself. Generally, I am <laughs> out of there. So, um, so I do not. I believe that Trump is is trailing in this election. I do not think it's over. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that. Um, I mean, I don't trust polls to be on the nose especially this far out from election day, but they're kind of a snapshot in time of where you are. And if you're looking at, if you're looking at the polls over a period of time, you can get a sense of the trends. Uh, I don't think most pollsters are deliberately trying to skew to Biden, but you know, you can't help it. Your, your priors are coming into the assumptions that you make when you organize the polling data, you know, you're looking at it and you're saying like, how, young do I think the electorate will be? How, you know, diverse will the electorate be? How many people are going to turn out? And I think that one of the things that caught people off guard in 2016 was the rural turnout. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it was huge. It was huge. And that enthusiasm is going to be important. It's not just, you know, how people are feeling. It's about, are people feeling enthusiastic enough about Trump that they're going to show up and vote? 
Um, right. and, and that matters a lot for Trump um, because a lot of his people in 2016 were not just Democrats who changed, but they were people who hadn't voted before right. who were excited about Trump. So are those people as excited this time around? Um, I don't know. So the play-by-play, and this is the uh, baby wants to shake down um, my wife. They're over there to your left. They're um, shaking down my wife for, we'll say, a piece of candy, uh, uh, for lack of a better term. And uh, so now there are two kids on my wife, and one is reaching into the candy bag. And hopefully this will buy us a little bit of time. We'll see. Okay. There are two. <laughs> one is there. So They're still She's still occupied. Hold so on, these. The assumptions that you make about who's going to turn out and who's not going to turn out, and part of that they're getting from the polls, but part of that they're, you know, building into their model that they're setting up when they do the poll and deciding how many responses to include and how many, how much do you have to keep polling until you get enough black people in your numbers and whatever else, you know, that matters a lot. And that enthusiasm thing, I think, is more impactful with people like Trump who have extremely high negatives in terms of you know a lot of people don't love trump a lot of people love trump i'm not going to undermine that but a lot of people are not super enthusiastic about trump like they'll vote for them if they feel like they have to they'll vote for him if they feel like they Mm -hmm. have to but they're not you know like running out there to vote for trump and me you know before you say that there are many more people running out there to vote for trump than running out there to vote for Biden. Well, it depends. That wasn't the case in twenty in twenty eighteen, right? So they did have well, the Trump blue wasn't wave. On the ballot, Trump please. wasn't on the ballot in twenty eighteen, but but he also was on the ballot in twenty eighteen because it was all that election and the enormous turnout was all about the resistance and Trump and children in cages and fascism and you know that that was what the turnout was about. That was the excitement in that election, and that was what people are all ginned up to go and vote for, right? right. So we're saying Trump doesn't have coattails, so, is what you're saying? Uh, well, Trump doesn't have coattails, but more to the point, I think that um, you know when when Trump puts himself in the news in a way that elicits a lot of these freak out reactions from Democrats, whether or not it's merited, by the way, I'm not trying to make a judgment on whether or not Trump deserves some of these condemnations, but when they freak out about something Trump is doing, it, they're trying to excite the democratic base to come and turn out and, and vote against Trump essentially. You know, so and that's what happened in 2018. They were able to effectively do that. And um, I I don't know if this year will be like that or not. It's kind of hard to say. All right. In statue news, the Italian-American group. uh, Well, let me say it this way. The Christopher Columbus statue that was in Columbus Park in Boston during the Black Lives Matter um, protests protests uh was ripped down of course and beheaded because it had to be no it was beheaded and then ripped down and then the city moved its uh, remains to uh a safe place now it is being brought back to the north end north end of boston which is the our little italy but it's not being returned to the place it was in columbus park because the statue is a hate crime even that was too prominent right even though it's called columbus park that's that's fine so uh, the, the city group is saying that um, 
that it's not what the mayor promised. You know, supposedly they wanted their statue back where it was supposed to be, but the mayor has caved into the mob, and this is what you get. The statue of Columbus can't be at Columbus Park because a, a, a bunch of spoiled, rotten, woke white people have uh, demanded that it not be there and torn it down. Right, and I think part of the problem, too, is that he was supposed to come back and talk to them about it again before he made a final decision, and then he just announced his decision. He didn't include them in the decision-making process, too, was was part of it. And, you know, I guess, why would you include the oppressors in the decision-making process about what to do with the Columbus statue, I guess? Right, and that's just a small part of what's going on in Boston. If you have a child in Boston, or you're thinking moving to Boston and using the public schools... Uh, no such luck. The city of Boston says it's suspending the reopening of public schools after coronavirus infections surged past 4%. Sucks to be you, parents. Deal with it. Suck it up. Sorry. You know, at least, um, you know, you're not the, uh, the, the Orthodox Jews of New York City being uh, corralled and pushed down the street by uh, armed authorities at the behest of the uh, local regime. And... One more thing off my laundry list. Uh, let's see. The debate is tonight. Uh, oh, the White House Correspondents. <laughs> yes, this is excellent. The White House Correspondents Association, which which is the what? It's the it, that's the nerd prom or whatever they used to call it when they used to have the big Oscar night for themselves and roast President Trump and call uh, Huckabee Sanders ugly. This is all of the the TV stars uh, in the White House press corps. They have sent out a memo to all their folks saying, saying, um, for those who must work, okay, this is it, saying, this is their letter to the White House press corps. In the immediate days ahead, we continue to insist that journalists who are not in the pool and do not have an enclosed workspace refrain from entering the indoor press areas of the White House. We would also strongly encourage all journalists to avoid working from the White House grounds entirely if it can be avoided. If this isn't performance art, I don't know what is. For those who must work at the White House, for those who must work at the White House, like anybody must work there, a mask continues to be required in any shared indoor press areas. We strongly suggest working outdoors as much, even though they said don't work on the White House grounds. We again encourage journalists who have been at the White House since 926 to avail themselves of other testing options yet Still, despite everything we've experienced in recent days, it would be foolish of us to assume that the situation at the White House or on the campaign trail will improve dramatically over the coming four weeks. This is like the the D-Day speech by Eisenhower before the uh, boats launched. That means that we as a press corps, heroes, first responders, and each of us individually must be clear-eyed. Oh, I don't like a clear-eyed uh, phrase. <laughs> Must be clear-eyed about the potential risks of COVID exposure on the job, taking every precaution we can fulfill our, our, our cover we can to fulfill our coverage obligations, while being prepared for situations which we may not be comfortable. For instance, if you're going to want an N95 type mask or goggles in a crowded room, don't show up to a pool duty without them. <clears throat> We are an association of individuals with different risk tolerances, health statuses, family obligations, and corporate policies, and it is critical that we consider all of those before embarking on a pool assignment. If you have specific concerns, yada, 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 yada. Oh, this is great. We are also committed to professionals. 
Being there to ask the important questions is vital to the American public that relies on us for information. Jim Acosta, Olivia Nuzzi, Jonathan Carl, asking the important questions. Give me a bleeping break. What I know. Don't self- let important jerks from Columbia. Uh, don't let the door hit you. If you don't want to go to the White House, then, I mean, don't go to the White House. No one's stopping you. It's uh, But then you don't get to be self-congratulatory about the fact that you're a firefighter who has to go to the White House to give us the... I mean, Trump is giving you all the news from the White House. I right. find out everything from Twitter anyways. If anything happens at a press conference, that's what I hear about it on Twitter. Nobody's whatever. I mean, I they're fine, but they're they're very self important. Yes. Um I know you played the video in the intro, by the way. Of, yes, you of want the naked the people? other self important people that yes. we were gonna talk about today. Some more of our betters have engaged in a video for us and these are all naked uh versions of them. Sarah Silver Sarah Silverman. It's Sarah Silverman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, Amy, whatever her name is. Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Ruffalo is in this. Chris Rock is in this. Um, who's the woman, the blonde woman who had the show, the comedy show, where she would have her and there was a little guy with her called Chewy. Sometimes I, have no clue. Blo- I didn't recognize half. The was, yeah, blonde that. woman. But Did anyway, you say Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo is in there, yeah. And anyway, now they're doing this. They're naked in this thing. And um, they're talking down to you so in a way that maybe even you will understand. I'm naked. I'm completely butt-ass naked. I'm naked. I'm, like, naked. There isn't a man behind me. These are my hands. Why you want me to be naked? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ruffalo, um, put your clothes on. To be honest, I wish I could cover my hands with my boobs, but here we are. I'm here to talk to you about voting. Did you know that ballots could be naked? And if you don't do exactly what I tell you, your ballot could get thrown out. This is uh, my ballot, just got it. First of all, when your ballot comes, you're supposed to read the instructions. Read and follow the instructions that come with your ballot. If they say to use a black pen, use a black pen. I know that's like literally the least sexy thing a completely naked person could say, but... But, but I have crumb like can of Pepsi. Is problem? Number two. <laughs> there you go. There were the b- people better than you explaining to you that you need to fill out your ballot right because you're stupid. You don't live like they do, and you're dumb. So they're going to have to show you, and you're too dumb to pay attention. So our betters, who are just far more beautiful and superior in every way, will remove their clothes to catch your stupid attention because that's what it <laughs> takes. Uh, okay, and let me see. Uh, Katie Hill, Alice, what's the nurse with Katie Hill? Oh yeah, Katie Hill. Um, now she's the one who had the three, the three th- marriage, the thruple, thruple, yes. right? So she had a husband, and she had other people. Was it a woman or man? A woman, um, her staffer, right? And so she was, uh, which is an ethical problem if you're right. going to be in the House of Representatives. Okay, and she was uh, sexually aggressive towards people in her proximity. Is is what I'm. What I'm reading in accounts. Apparently. And, and then she, she left in disgrace, but alas, she is returning. She is. So she wrote a book called She Will Rise, which sounds like it was made, you know, by a focus group, She Will Rise, um, about her, what happened to her, how terrible it was that she was forced out of Congress mm-hmm. for forcing herself on her staff. And, um, and, now it is being made into a movie. 
and not some weird, obscure thing. Um, but it is being made into a movie by Elizabeth Moss. Who we like, right? I mean, she's okay. Or we used to like. Uh, yeah. So, yes, Elizabeth Moss from Handmaid's Tale, from oh, great. all these things. Great. Um, I got to catch up. I got to catch up on that. I'm a season behind on The Handmaid's Tale. That and The Man in the High Castle. I'm highly interested to see the, yeah, the parallel oldness. stories no, of the Trump done, administration. Now. So, yeah. So, anyway, so. She's very self-congratulatory about how great it is. She has this movie coming out. I think she said, like, oh, now I can add movie producer to my list of achievements or whatever. So then, last night around 1 a.m., came these tweets from her official congressional account, which she says she no longer has access to. Katie's former staff here, disappointed in so many folks, including Elizabeth Moss, Bloomhouse, and Michael Seitzman, these are the other, you know, people bankrolling this project. Regarding today's announcement, this is an incredibly sensitive situation. We appreciate the instinct to defend our former boss, an LGBTQ plus woman who faced abuse from her husband. What happened to Katie Hill shouldn't happen to anyone, but this moment requires more nuance. What's the plus in LGBTQ? Um, other. Is the plus sized? No, it's other, uh... Minor- Other stuff. Minority sexual identities. Okay. Asexual, demisexual, pansexual. Okay. Other things. Um, so, uh, what happened to Katie Hill shouldn't happen to anyone, but this moment requires more nuance as Katie Hill's story, our story, is also one of workplace abuse and harassment. Katie Hill can be both a victim and a perpetrator, and staff can experience severe consequences for speaking out against their powerful boss. No one should have to put themselves in harm's way for the public to understand a simple truth. Katie Hill is not a hero for women. We deserve heroes who embody our values, even in the most difficult moments. Katie Hill was never investigated by the House Ethics Committee, nor has she been held accountable by anyone other than herself. We encourage everyone to reflect deeply before taking her word at face value. Haters. That sounds like Team Trump. Katie took advantage of her subordinates. She caused immense harm to the people who worked for her, many of whom were young women just beginning their careers in politics. Workplace abuse and harassment can take many different forms. But it one, sounds like HR. Is there anything better? One than thing is certain. This? It is never okay, even if your boss is a woman and nor survivor. Believe us when we say it is not only about who starts it, it is about who ends it. And while Katie is certainly the survivor of abuse, we are not confident that she sufficiently acted to end her own patterns of inappropriate and abusive behavior. It's a long freaking tweet. Enough is enough. In order to advance the Me Too movement, we must be willing to acknowledge the problematic behaviors among those in our own communities. Only then will we see true progress. Hashtag times up. Hashtag Me Too. Okay. I don't like Katie so, or her former staff. Um. So, And she, of course, reverted to the Democratic standby, which is that the account was hacked. Right. This was not really her former staff. It was hacked by someone. And since it's been up now for like 18 hours, I don't think, I think if the account had been hacked, it would have been taken down. I'm on Team Katie. I'm sorry. So, what is pansexual? Um, It means it has nothing to do with cooking wear, I assume. No, it means you're attracted to all the genders, not just like the two traditionally recognized genders. So, but if you're, if you see a guy walking down the street and he's very handsome, you're attracted to that guy. If you're a female, mm-hmm. that makes you a what sexual? Straight. Straight. Okay. And if you're attracted to a woman walking down the street, that makes you. And you're a woman. That would make you, you homosexual or yes. or get or. But if you're attracted lesbian, to, to right? both the guy and the woman, that makes you what? Bisexual. So what other 
people walking down the street can you be attracted to? Aren't there just those two people? Um, but you could be attracted to people who are, um, what are the things called? Uh, like, um, if you're if you don't have any gender, if you're agender. Or if you're well, yeah, but you don't know if, if you're, you're just walk, if, if you're you sitting, in the, if you're sitting in the park bench and mm-hmm. you see the person walking by and it's a good-looking guy, <clears throat> you're straight. It's a good-looking girl, you're gay. If you attracted them both, then you're bisexual. But right. those are the only two, unless there's a third one is a furry, in which case <laughs> you're into that. Well, right, but what if the person walks by and you can't tell them it's a guy or a girl, but you're still attracted? Well, is there a gray area? So, so what is that? What is that? Like a gender or gender queer, trans masculine or trans feminine, or so like if you're a gender, so, if you don't if you don't have a gender and you go by they them, then I've never like, walked past a person who doesn't have a gender. <laughs> you don't know if they have a gender because you haven't asked <laughs> asked. Them. Oh, I see. So okay, so you're supposed <laughs> to just use wear blinders on and then you're supposed to introduce yourself. Provide your pronouns, and then you'll find out whether or not that you seems... can be attracted to the person based on right. your list of requirements. And so, so you said pansexual is attracted to everything, all the genders. Okay, that seems like a lot of time spent <laughs> on just uh, you know embarking on this journey to romance. If you're <laughs> attracted to all the between that and the the massive uh, leaderboard. And uh, a, you know, spreadsheet of of who's what and what too. And what is demisexual? Um, oh, there was a great uh, article written about this. I oh, forgot. I'm sure it was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is a really revolutionary concept. So you understand the concept of asexual, where you're not attracted to anybody in yes. that way. Yes. Um, so, but you can also be demisexual, which in means like partially sexual which means oh, that you're God. only you're not you're like almost always asexual but if you like get into a relationship with somebody and you really like build that emotional connection then you can feel sexually attracted to them so they've invented monogamy and that's now a sexual identity so if you're <laughs> if you're into long-term monogamous relationships, that's also a special identity. So, yeah, I read a really great article recently about this girl who talks about it and how great it was that, you know, she finally has a name to put towards, uh, you know, how she feels about her Anybody from my – let me tell you, Alice, this is how you <laughs> tell if somebody is a Gen X American man. The moment you say Demi, they're only thinking Demi more from the 1980s. <laughs> and it gets no further than that. It does not matter. So to Gen X men, demisexual means you're attracted to Demi more. And you should be. Everybody should be. <laughs> Everybody should be, especially around 1980 and 70. Hey, we are, by the way, tomorrow we're going to read a Reddit story in which time we're going to fix relationships forever. We have sage advice for men <laughs> and women tomorrow. So uh, we'll talk about the debate tomorrow as well. And um, and what else we have? Oh, yeah. You can email me at Winchester, W-I-N-N-C-H-E-S-T-E-R, at gmail.com. Twitter, Tom Shattuck. Her Twitter is Alice Shattuck. See you later. Have a good night. C'est la vie. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. 
And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.